0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
1: This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon reimagines the same sweet deliciousness of your favorite childhood cereal with premium ingredients, complete protein, and no gluten or grains. On this episode, a remarkable story of lifelong contact
2: with ultra-terrestrial beings and the hypnotherapist who helped her client remember When I came out of the first session, and there were tears in my eyes, and I basically said, is this stuff real? Because what had happened in the first session was completely unremembered. was something about my childhood. I had no suspicion, whatever. This had been happening to me since then. None. C60 Evo delivers the
1: miracle molecule ESS-60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS 60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets, too. I take a tablespoon every day, and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years, and during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality, we're both pain-free. In a landmark, peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS-60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash richard hyphen or Click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60 Evo. Order your Miracle in a Bottle today.
0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption. Secret machinations of powerful elites revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett.
1: Welcome to your Monday. Leslie Mitchell Clark and Wes Roberts are standing by for part one of a two-part series. Educator, entrepreneur and college professor Wes Roberts appeared to have an ideal life that belied the fact that deeply disturbing incidents of high strangeness had been a regular part of his adult life. Relentless insomnia, missing time, strange marks on his body, terrifying fragments of trips into alternate realities where close contact with non-human beings took place on a nearly daily occurrence. Wes sought out the help of noted hypnotherapist Leslie Mitchell Clark. What would follow would be the gradual recovery of Wes's remarkable memories, reflecting a lifetime of mind bending, extra ultra terrestrial encounters. Leslie Mitchell Clark is a Toronto based certified clinical hypnotherapist, master hypnotist, and NLP practitioner who specializes in working with individuals who feel that they've had experiences with extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial beings. Most of this fascinating work, as well as metaphysical therapies such as past life and interlife regression, takes place at Leslie's Toronto-based hypnosis clinic, Lightwork Hypnosis. For the past seven years, Leslie has been the host of a popular ufology-focused program, Contact TV. Wes Roberts is a contract college professor. In addition, Wes has a small company that offers business and social media content writing. He co-hosted and periodically appeared as a guest on Leslie's blog talk radio show called Contact Together. They currently conduct interviews for their YouTube-based Contact TV channel. Some of Wes's accounts have appeared in Terror in the Night, Alien Abduction Exposed, and the late Bob Mitchell's What If? Close Encounters of the Unusual Kind. And their book is Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Leslie and Wes, welcome to you both. Thank you so much, Richard. It's such a pleasure to be here. You are a lifelong, or certainly your adult life. This is just the opening chapters, I guess, this book that you've written. I mean, there's more to come here, but let's Mm -hmm. see how far we Mm -hmm. can get. Before you you went to see Leslie Mitchell-Clark, At uh, Lightworks.
2: What were you experiencing? So, I had a key experience in the 1980s that I'd sort of written off. I couldn't explain it. And I let it sit and let it fester and let it work away at me uh, until 20 years later, I couldn't stand it anymore. I was having um, sleepless nights. Uh, I was afraid to close my eyes, literally. I was not functioning normally. And of course, I had to keep up with my college duties. I teach technical stuff, so it's it's kind of, it was very challenging for me. It's, you know, pounding my fist on the table in frustration, um, thinking I didn't control events in my life. Um, so I finally got to that point, and I, I found Leslie, and we started to explore. I had thought initially, let's go find out what happened in the 1980s. And, and that's not what happened at all uh, in the hypnosis sessions, not well, for a long time.
1: Before you went to see Leslie, though, when you... You mentioned you were afraid to close your eyes and mm-hmm. you were having insomnia. Why were you afraid to close your eyes? What was happening?
2: I thought uh, there was something in the room. I thought there was something there. Just a, You felt a presence or you saw something out of the, the corner of your eye? Rarely saw anything, um, but felt there was a presence in the room. And this was at the time with my ex-wife sitting in the living room and, and me in the bedroom. Lights on, lights off, it didn't really matter. It was, a, it was actually like terror sometimes. Did you think initially it might be a haunting? Um, the thought across my mind, uh, both Leslie and I have some background in that area. I have some background in parapsychology. Um, I, I didn't attribute it to that. I sort of went through a, a cause and effect uh, beyond a reason of a doubt thing. I, I eliminated things that could not be in my own mind. So I finally came to the fact that I am being visited, uh, by, by alien creatures. And, uh, through many, many hypnosis sessions that came later and consciously recalled experiences, it all fit into a pattern.
1: And, uh,
2: just, I, I want to get into as much detail
1: as time sure. allows here, but marks on your body, were there like scoop marks? What, what were you
2: finding? So no scoop marks for me that I'm aware of. Um, I twice woke up with triangles on my body um one of them fortunately i got a picture of it's still out there somewhere it might even be here in the book but um two little triangles as if they were burned on me they didn't last long uh but there they were and uh once also with triangles on my forehead and i came to understand only later that that's the triangle thing's a popular thing maybe not the way they were on me but it was a popular thing did they hurt um, this is a bit hot. I, I would have to say when I when I touched it was a bit warm. And that that was around the same time you felt a presence in the room. You you had this insomnia. Oh gosh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't even pin it down to a time. It was months and years, months and years of uh, feeling uh, just you know afraid some nights. Any any strange dreams? All the time. Can yeah. you share one? Um, I so I I've always tried, uh, Richard, to define the difference between what's a dream and what maybe is an alien experience. And one of my criteria, rightly or wrongly, is that dreams are highly inconsistent. Yes. Um. So things change uh, rapidly right before your eyes. So in these experiences, things did not change before my eyes. They were fairly stable. There was continuity. Right. Uh, I could walk in a room and walk out, same room, same things on the wall, same carpet, same everything. Uh, so I began to think, not another body experience as I know them, not a dream, something very different than that. Um, so I I had one. I don't talk about it often, uh, but I'll try to get into a little bit of it. Um, uh, a distant member of my family, a distant cousin, uh, was in this dream. And uh, I was supposed to have relations with her. I, I must be sounding pretty kooky right now. Anyway, I was supposed <laughs> to have relations uh, with her, and things in this dream started out as, as normal as could be, as normal as uh, sexual relations could be. And they deteriorated from there to the point where she wasn't who I was with near the end of the experience. She was something else, something not particularly human, and it was not pleasant at all. Uh, so I'm not saying that was an alien experience, but you asked me, uh, can I describe one of the dreams? And, and, and that's one of them, right, right, one of many. So at what point did you decide, well, well, first of
1: all, again, before you went to see a registered hypnotherapist, what other
2: steps did you take? I had begun to tell people. Um, I still haven't fully disclosed this to even members of my family, some members of my family. Um, because I'm not sure how they'd ride it out, despite the fact that um, there's a proclivity for ESP and, and uh, um, they're really talented members of my family. But I'm not sure I've got the impression some of them would not deal with this very well. Um, so I did start to tell people, my partner, then my ex-wife at the time, a couple of people really close to me, um, a fellow school teacher. Uh, and this was way out of her bailiwick, way out of her world. Uh, But she listened patiently and and let me get on with it. And then uh, finally, when I thought, I can't deal with this anymore, I was going on a trip to Europe, and I was going to meet a friend there. And she basically said to me, I would want to know. That was it. I'd want to know. She didn't particularly believe me or disbelieve me. She was healthily skeptical, uh, but said, I'd want to know if it was me. So I came home from the trip. I still sat on it for a year. and finally. I found Leslie. Leslie, tell me about your work at at Lightwork. At Lightwork.
3: Okay, well, um as as you've already mentioned, uh my specialty is really uh working in regression. And uh, I have actually adapted past life regression techniques that are now suitable and kind of the the core of uh, how I approach working with experiencers. So that's the most um Uh, I should say, uh, both the most challenging and the most fulfilling area that I work in. But certainly as a therapist, I work uh, with just with people with just about any kinds of issues you could imagine, Uh, phobias, uh, bedwetting, um, you name it, uh, improving their their golf game, you name it, I do it. Yes, Late addictions. Loss. I work. I, I'm also. Uh, I also have quite a specialty in working in addictions and pain management. So I do all of those things, and um, uh, and hypnosis is an extraordinarily powerful modality. And uh, I I I have a dream that someday it will be, you know, incorporated into medical treatment because it is so benign right right you know it's a benign but powerful therapy that's uh five six thousand years old at the very least
1: and and prior to Wes roberts coming to uh to light work yes what were your thoughts about contactees ufos mm-hmm. extraterrestrials
3: well i was certainly extremely open to the entire subject matter the entire issue and uh, a big part of that is because I had my own experience when I was in like my first year of university. And I do discuss that. Uh, I, I sort of came out, if you will, because it's something I hadn't even told my husband of nearly 30 years. So my interest was always there. You know, I uh, however, um, I also remained skeptical as well, because certainly you can imagine, Richard, that. Um, a percentage of people who contact me about believing that they are having these kinds of contacts or, addu- or abductions or whatever you wish to call it, a certain percentage of those people are going to be unstable. Sure. And so it's, you know, it's my job um, as a professional person to be able to Assess the individual. So, uh, I will usually do that. I'm, I'm certain that Wes and I had phone conversations before I saw him because that's my mode. That's how I, that's mm-hmm. how I roll. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I would have, uh, by the time someone comes to me, uh, finally for an exploration of this type of issue, I'm pretty sure At that point that they are experiencers, but I still have to be completely neutral.
1: Right. So you're, Um, you're, you're, in effect, you're interviewing them to see if you can help them or you're interviewing them to see whether, what, they're, they're, uh, they're delusional. What, what are you, what are you trying to uh, ascertain?
3: Well, certainly, uh, I have to ascertain their basic mental health. And that's just something that one does from experience and, and, you know, because if someone is suffering from a dissociative disorder, uh, they're not always truthful in the intake form. So I have to, at a certain point, just simply rely on my instinct and knowledge and and, and training and make a decision. And I will always err, you know, uh, on the side of, you know, uh, sending them on to a, uh, a psychiatrist or a psychotherapist.
1: Right. And how did Wes Roberts present over the phone?
3: Well... Wes was extremely, as I remember him, I don't know if we've ever really discussed this in detail, but I remember him as being uh, extremely anxious. He, it felt to me like he was extremely fearful. Uh, as fearful as what he might discover, uh, as he was of some of the fragments of, of recalled memory that he had, which were quite odd in themselves. So he was, you know, he talks about being in a state of fear. I think he was, I think he was, he was in a state of fear and agitation. Um And I felt like I had to kind of, uh you know, talk him down in a way. I had to reassure him that the experience would still be under his control because really all all hypnosis is self hypnosis uh anything else that you may have heard about you know mind control or uh, an abuse of uh of the process is uh is pretty much fiction now i'm not saying there haven't been um horrible programs that right. involved hypnosis. You right. know what we're talking about. I'm yeah. not saying that didn't exist because it did. But hypnosis in its purity, the way it's supposed to be practiced, is is, uh, is not like that. So a person can pull themselves right out of trance if they wish to. Right. And um, I think once Wes understood that what he was facing with me was not going to be like another blackout and being taken somewhere. Right? I, I think he actually maybe had some anxieties that, that he would lose control, uh, in, in my office. I'm not sure. I'd have to,
1: uh. Well, let's uh, ask him. He's, uh, we, sitting right, we, here. he's right here. Did,
3: <laughs> did, did, did you have, um, did you have any feelings like that, Wes? Uh,
2: so, uh, hypnosis was mysterious, uh, to me at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was no stranger to meditation and meditative practices, but hypnosis was something else. Um, so I uh, I think I exi- I put put a name to my fear when I came out of the first session actually with Leslie. Um, my fear was more: what if this stuff is not true? Yeah, quite honestly.
1: And that and that what you were losing your mind? Yes. that you were delusional. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. What if all the things I had remembered consciously uh, were not alien experiences? What if I was making this up? That's interesting. That mm-hmm. was your greater
1: fear mm-hmm. that it wasn't true yeah. than, because yeah. I don't know, for me, I would, I would think, oh my God, what if this is true? I mean, that changes everything, obviously, but, but I don't know. I mean, what is the lesser of the two fears? Obviously for you, it was that it wasn't true and mm-hmm. that you were losing your mind.
2: And, and so when I came out of the first session, uh, and, and I, and I don't want to steal away Leslie's bit about assessment because that's critical to this process. Uh, but when I come out of my first session, there were tears in my eyes and I basically said, is this stuff real? Mm-hmm. Because what had happened in the first session was completely unremembered, was yeah. something about my childhood. I had no suspicion whatever this had been happening to me since then.
1: None. We'll get into uh, some of these sessions if we can uh, as the program progresses. Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark in studio on a special edition of The Conspiracy Show and the book is Intersections, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. How, how did you explain to him over the phone what was going to take place in your office? What, what was going to happen? Well, I
3: explained to him a little bit about how regression actually works and uh, we now know that regression works just the way we've always thought it did as hypnotherapists, but the real-time mapping of the brain has, in fact, proven it. So I explained to him that what we, he was going to experience was going to be very relaxing and pleasurable because what we do is we get that body as relaxed as we possibly can. Now, the ancient Romans and uh, I think the ancient Greeks and ancient Egyptians gave their their patient a big opiated drink, <laughs> to get to that point of relaxation. Right. Uh, but we don't do that in, in our Western culture. So I, he knew he was going to be in a deep state of relaxation. And I explained to him that once the body becomes physically relaxed enough, that little membrane or curtain that is between our conscious mind and our subconscious mind where all the memories are stored, that little curtain just dissolves. And you're able to move freely in time backward and forward. And I also remember reassuring him that if we if he began recalling a um, painful or terrifying experience, because I had no idea what we were going to find when we get in, got in there, uh, that I would immediately turn him into an observer in the situation. And by doing that, we are still able to process the trauma and relieve the memory and look at the details without the patient having to emotionally, physically, spiritually re-experience the trauma in a real-time way. So I reassured him that if anything disturbing began to happen, bang, zoom, he turns into an observer and I will be protecting him every step of the way. So I think I said, I think that's probably most of what I said, um, you know, and just basically not to drink any caffeine. And also I said, you know, it's possible that that we may not get a lot of information. That doesn't mean you're not an experiencer. I have to know how the person it's, it's very helpful if they're a good hypnotic subject.
1: So give us a time frame. When did Wes first come to see you?
3: I was just thinking about that. I think it was probably very close to a dozen years ago now, something like that, somewhere between uh, 11 and 12 years ago.
1: Okay. And uh, so you had been living with
2: this by this point for 30 years? I would say 25 years, and it just got progressively, uh, my ability to deal with it just got progressively worth, worse, and I figured I was getting too vulnerable. And in all that time, it, would you say that you hadn't had a decent night's sleep? I, I wouldn't say in all those years, but it was common, uh, common to the point of almost being daily. You and, might, I mean, you cannot function uh,
1: for too long without, uh, you know, proper sleep. You must have been
2: in terrible shape. I I, you know, quite honestly, I think the routine, the demands of being a teacher, a college teacher, kept me on the straight and narrow, uh, quite honestly, and uh, living with an understanding person, although this hadn't impacted her as far as she knew, uh, my ex-wife um, so I think uh, think the rigors of teaching kept me fairly grounded So, your first day you walk in the door at light
1: work and you meet Leslie Mitchell Clark what happens after that?
2: So I brought my nervousness, my nervousness with me <laughs>
3: <laughs> say, Are you nervous? No.
2: <laughs> and um, so after meeting and, and sitting down, she has very comfortable space. Uh, and, and in fact, I saw it another 32 times. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we've done about 30 plus sessions over the years. Um, so we talked, we talked about myself. We talked about the assessment. Um, you know, she's obviously looking to see, am I a stable character, this kind of thing, which was all good. Uh, medical conditions, um, anything mm-hmm. like that, and then how how the process would go. And, and I think, Richard, like a lot of other people, I thought, you know, uh, so did you see that tall alien? Uh, this does not happen. No. This does not happen, this kind of thing. It's kind of like you walk into a room of your choice, and then you see what's going on. And there's always something going on in the rooms I went in.
3: <laughs> so Very busy.
2: Yeah, very very busy, busy in those rooms you've got there, Wes.
1: More of my conversation with contactee Wes Roberts and hypnotherapist Leslie Mitchell-Clark when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. You know, I remember getting dragged to the grocery store with my mom for the weekly shop. It was not my favorite thing to do, except for the trip down the cereal aisle, remember? Rows and rows of sugary treats with empty calories, disguised as a breakfast food. I can't eat that stuff anymore, but a lot of so-called adult breakfast cereals, well, yes, they're full of fiber and nutrition, but, well, let's face it, they taste like something you'd feed to the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Enter Magic Spoon. A breakfast cereal that reimagines the same sweet deliciousness of your favorite childhood cereal, but with premium ingredients. Check this out. Magic Spoon contains 0 grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only 4 net grams of carbs in each serving. That's only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Order the Magic Spoon Variety Pack, which includes 4 fantastic flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frost and peanut butter. I like to take the variety pack and mix cocoa with peanut butter. It tastes exactly like a peanut butter cup. Magic Spoon tastes like those sweet and delicious breakfast cereals of your childhood, but it's packed with nutrition for the adult in you. Go to magicspoon.com conspiracy to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code conspiracy at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So so, oh, if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com conspiracy and use that code CONSPIRACY to save $5. Thank you Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode.
0: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because of Richard, you know. He's all wrapped up in this stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
1: Wes Roberts, a lifelong ultra-terrestrial being contactee, and certified hypnotherapist Leslie Mitchell Clark are here. I mean, how do you describe it? You put him under or you placed him under hypnosis? Yes, okay. yes.
3: I, I generally spend for a, for a regression session, uh, to do the regression bit. We like to have people in the theta state, which is a pretty deep state of, uh, of relaxation. So I usually spend mm, about 10, 15 minutes, maybe longer, getting somebody into a really deep state of relaxation. Now, you might ask, how do I know they're in a deep state of relaxation? There are all kinds of little testing things that I do while I'm talking to them that, that allow me to know that they are where I need them to be. So after I get the individual into this very peaceful, blissful state of relaxation, then we go through some, I'm gonna almost call them exercises that start sort of loosening up, oiling up the memory mechanism. So first, I will do some regression in the person's life, lifetime that is very benign. right In other words, I'll say, um, <clears throat> part of me, I'll say, uh, you're going back in time uh, ten years. And I want you to pick a very happy, pleasant, memory of that time. And it can be a thought, a feeling, an event. And I'll suggest that it's very easy to do this. It's just going to pop right up. So and generally speaking, it does just pop right up. And uh, I get the person to uh, give me as many details as as I can about that. And I don't think they're they're not even aware that what we're doing is we're getting the mechanism going. Right. right. And again, it's very I, I'm very, very careful to be so neutral. I'm neutral, neutral, neutral. Of
1: course, there's a protocol here. You Absolutely. Can't leave the
3: witnesses, no, no, no witnesses can be led. So then we go back farther to, you know, eventually where I get the person to about five years old. And, uh, and then by that time, we're really getting fluency of memory. And even though the person is five, they have perceptions they 're talking about sounds and smells and uh, you know their mother's uh, dress from the from the knees down <laughs> you know right, right. so we're, and uh, after that process, and I feel like things are really fluid, then if the person is um, if if the individual who believes they 've been an experiencer has some memories that have some conscious aspects that are partially recalled. What I will usually do is either move the client to that experience, again, in a very benign way. I don't even really describe that. I tell them where they are and, you know, tell me what's happening. I mean, I'm as vanilla as you can possibly imagine. So after doing this little memory loosening up bit by moving them around in their own life, Uh, I generally will move the client to one of these partially remembered experiences so that we can uh, hopefully get a lot more detail and revelations. And uh, and invariably, that's what happens. The person is able to flesh out, you know, they may have remembered a few little things and they may have even remembered them incorrectly. And then they're able to flesh out
1: the experience. Right. In their own words. Now. I mean, I, the the brain is this wonderful. Uh, at night, it can be a movie making machine. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know it creates metaphors and symbols. Does it matter? Uh, just sort of as an aside, when we're talking about regression therapy, mm-hmm. does it matter whether those memories are real in order to bring about some sort of a resolution? If you go back in time, let's mm-hmm. say, let's say someone you know. Um, I don't happen to believe in reincarnation. I, Mm -hmm. You know, I I can be convinced otherwise, but at the Mm -hmm. present time. Does it matter, though, if you have this experience, you you were in the Civil War, but you weren't Mm -hmm. really? In my way of thinking, it doesn't matter. Right.
3: I don't think it matters, no, because um, now, certainly before I ever did past life regressions, I already was a person who had been through that process. I had my own memories. I was a believer, certainly, but... I am still, I still approach that exercise with a lot of skepticism. And, but one thing that I do in past life regression that may be different from some other hypnotherapists, I always insist or to the subconscious mind that the past life memories that are most important and have the most to do with the right now right. are the things that the person will be looking at and addressing. Right. Right. So it's not always clear why these memories have come to the fore. Uh, sometimes the person understands that you know a, you know a week later or two weeks later, but sometimes they get it right away. but it's still healing whatever aspect uh, you can completely be a non-believer in reincarnation and do a past life regression journey and still relieve old trauma
1: right, right this is what i've understood yeah i've come to understand uh, we just got a few minutes here before the break mm-hmm. but do you re- do you recall <laughs> it's gonna sound strange do you recall what you remembered in that first session what, what came to you as you started to uh, go back and recall these uh visitations if we can
2: say so i i do recall uh parts of it i think what's happened to me over the years because there's probably 40 distinct episodes and all of that, only a handful in the book. But um, I, I recall the beginning of the process, which I thought was quite fantastic uh, because I like to meditate. Mm-hmm. So whether you use an analogy of going downstairs or doing a count that goes up or down, it, it kind of all works the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I was getting I was getting very relaxed and I thought, well, this this is interesting. This is not what I thought it would be like. And and then, I, if I'm not mistaken, the first experience was one from my childhood. Yes, yes. And uh, I had not expected that. And so this was the first I, I heard of it or was aware of it yeah. at all. Um, and, and again, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of two experiences. It was either showing a little girl around a house, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Leslie has something to do with that too, mm-hmm. showing a little girl around the house uh, that didn't know what things were, uh, didn't know what this glass was that I'm holding in my hand. And didn't know what a set of stairs was, um, and didn't know what to do in a kitchen. Didn't know what things were for. And I was taking her around, and uh, taking her around the kitchen and showing her, and letting her touch stuff like that. And uh, I thought, what was all that about, you know? <laughs> and so it, it eventually developed. She didn't quite look exactly like a little girl. Um, and so the, they don't sometimes. Uh, something's wrong. The hands aren't quite right, or the eyes aren't quite right.
1: Right. Do You recognize the house?
2: No. I did not recognize the house. It was kind of like a farmhouse, I, and I was raised in Toronto. This is not not a place where I can remember ever being. Interesting. Yeah. So so I so I took her around and showed her stuff, and then it was it was time to go. And uh, we found out through many experiences that when they want to end their observation of you, and this is what we feel they're doing, they're observing you. Uh, when they want to end it, they just pull the plug. Mm-hmm. You're done. Le- Leslie, you were saying. That you've experienced this before with, I
1: guess, other contactees when yes. dealing with children. When yes,
3: we have- when when they're dealing with children, which all the people that I work with have extensive experiences as children. It usually goes back uh, to age three and maybe even earlier. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's a commonality there. But when caring beings are wanting to. Monitor these children or engage with them in some way or teach them or whatever it is that's their agenda. They will often use staging. You know, they will construct a kind of artificial environment and, uh, that is to make the children more comfortable. They'll try to stage little parties and they'll, and you know, but half the kids will be asleep. Sitting in chairs, you know, <laughs> completely turned off. But right. these these kinds of um, these kinds of staging experiences are extremely common when you're talking about the youthful uh, contactee. In fact, Wes, I don't know if you want to tell the story. It's one of my very favorites, where you were. It's it's the birthday party one, where you were taken in the afternoon. And, go ahead, why don't you tell that? Yeah,
2: do we have time for this now. Oh, uh, maybe we've not. got about four minutes. Yeah. So I'll do the quick version of it. Um, I opened some doors and I was at a birthday party. And I would have been a teen, maybe 14, 15. Snarky teen. Snarky teen, mm-hmm. sure. So, uh, just, uh, now
1: this is, this is, you're recalling this through
2: regression, right? Yes. This, yes, this, I, this is it, a,
3: re, this is a reco, a, com- a recovered memory, the complete it. sequence.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, Walk into this little party. There's a party table, sort of straight ahead of me, with little goodies on it—cakes and the usual stuff—and there's people dressed up in pristine uh, little party dresses and uh, boys with the little bow ties. But and, like
3: and the maybe anachronistic, right?
2: It looked more like the mid '50s. It was a little bit. They they tend they tend Richard to get little things wrong. Yeah. Uh, that I've mentioned before. There's a whole thing about telephones that we can tell you later that they always get wrong with me. Anyway. Um, So here's all these little party girls and boys, and I I felt I was being directed to go up and and, uh, introduce myself or talk to them. That was my impression. I was being told to do that. Uh, And and that often happened in my experiences. There was something up there, over there, uh, and I'm pointing over my shoulder right now, that was saying, uh, suggesting mentally, go up and talk to these, interact with these kids. And I began to go up and talk and interact with them, but they weren't very interactive. Uh, they were more like robots, uh, most of them. You know, fake, fake smiles, as if they'd been put there, planted there, um, as if they were props, automatons. I don't know what to call them. Was it a mix
3: of? Uh, did, was it a mix of actual human children like yourself who were just asleep, and sort of synthetic automatons? I
2: would say that's correct. Mm. It was a mix of both, which they also do a lot mm-hmm. in, in these kind of experiences. You don't know who is real or who is invented, who's there with you or not with you. And so, as I'm going through the party line, I'm thinking, this this isn't working. This isn't a real party. Um, these aren't all real children. I don't know what I'm doing here. And so at that point, it's like, boop, time to
3: leave. Yeah. As you started to in, question a, you started to question them, you started to make a little little teen
1: scene. In right? other words, they, the the uh, the extraterrestrials, they pulled the
2: plug on the simulation. Mm-hmm. and then what you're back in you're back in normally, you're back in your bed, right. Uh, but you might be in a different scene depends what they want you to go through. Wow. And upon remembering that,
1: was mm-hmm. there any was there any fear?
2: Not fear with that. Uh, I mean, certainly, if there's time tonight, there's a couple of real fear invoking experiences I've had. This is not common with me or with abductees and experiencers. True. The fearful yeah. thing's not really all that common. Yeah. But I have had a couple that really scared the pants off me and involved other people.
1: Wes, you said that prior to your regression, prior to your understanding that you were in fact a contactee, that you looked sort of down, that you looked down disparagingly on people that were making similar claims. Is that true?
2: Yes, I actually felt strange around them. Mm. I, I Isn't felt that a, interesting? Yeah, I felt an odd energy uh, mm. around some of them. I was quite creeped out.
3: Well, some of them have odd energy, frankly. That's, you know, and you're very sensitive. I I, I don't know if I would call you hypersensitive, but you're very tuned in to uh, to a lot of stuff, I would say. Um, oh, you know, I did. I did want to mention one yeah. thing, Richard. This was about uh, about these stagings and what happens during the childhood experiences. There seems to be a race of beings, I should call them, that that seem to always show up when there is a medical procedure or test to be done on a child. And Wes, in his recountings, calls them the brown doctors. Mm -hmm. But they never let themselves be seen because they are so terribly concerned about upsetting
1: children or people. You mean when a small child has to go for a procedure to the dentist or for a tonsillectomy, these... For, for contactees, these yes, children, these entities are there,
3: invariably there, and and it and it's a sort of talk about an intersection. It's it's a sort of a thing that that, that comes up often. Um, now, some people have told me that they've seen the brown doctors without any kind of staging, and that they are in fact uh, mantis beings. Um, some people have said no they're not they everybody seems to have a different opinion but the, i was remembering um one of wes's again uh memories around the time that he was 10 or 12 and it was an examination uh at the pediatrician staged thing right and again you know weird toys that have no resonance you know half the kids are unconscious and the doctor comes out to get you for your appointment, and he's wearing what was to you a terrifying clown mask. Mm-hmm. So, see, they got that really wrong. They were trying to mask
1: themselves. Right. And they thought that based on their clowns are, uh, ex- their understanding of our culture, yeah. that clowns are happy. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting? Because there is a certain... I would say sizable percentage of the population Bonophobia. that are freaked out by clowns. Yes, yeah, terrified. And so I'm wondering whether, whether those people that have that fear of clowns, whether they've had an, a, an alien uh, one has to wonder.
3: One has to wonder about that, Richard. You know, wh- which came first, the alien or the clown?
1: Right, right. Red Skelton, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was Red Skelton an alien? <laughs> That's another show. <laughs> uh, uh, so... As you're having these regressions, mm-hmm. are you starting to piece this together now in your mind saying, it, this, I mean, was there a moment where you said, this is real?
2: Um, I pretty much thought it was real by the time I got to seeing Leslie and the, and the first experience because it was so out, outside and beyond the pale as yeah. far as I was concerned. That was a clincher. <laughs> and as far as beyond that, like patterns and things, uh, we began to see them. After a time. There were there were regular meetings that were held with me. I, I call them council meetings uh, where they were updates to see how I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, to see how say the latest download had taken, to see if I was processing properly and things like that. To see if I was ready to move forward. Download. What were they downloading? So, uh Leslie and I can both speak about that, but I'll start out the conversation. A download is a download usually of information that you did not have before, did not understand before and cannot immediately unravel. It takes time. So, it kind of bubbles up to the surface and you're able to process in time. Grant Cameron's another one has said oh, downloads.
3: He'll talk a good deal about that to you, I'm sure when you have a chance to speak with him. He received a big download. So, that's a that's an information packet basically. Mm-hmm. And that can happen, but.
2: Yeah, so, uh, so I was getting more and more downloads. I was aware of it usually the next morning, whether I remembered an experience or not. It felt like I'd been run over by a truck for no particular reason. I felt absolutely haggard, uh, waking up some mornings and I thought, okay, what was going on last night, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Um, so a pattern did begin to develop, um, not from day one and, uh, it looked like they were tracking my progress mm-hmm. and altering the experience from abductions to more participatory mm-hmm. simulations.
3: Mm-hmm. Simulations, yes. And then also, um, it was almost as if, um, as Wes moved into this process and began to release fears and concerns and have all of these restored memories, um, it was almost as if he has two lives that exist simultaneously. I mean, right now, you know, there's his, the dense physical life that is Wes Robert. I don't mean dense. You know what I mean? Dense <laughs> matter. Dense matter. Here's
1: <laughs> a shovel, Leslie. Dig yourself <laughs> I'm up. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> That's okay. No, we, anyway, know, we know what you mean. You
3: know what I mean? But So, um, and then there's another aspect of him where I think now when Wes Travels and engages with the beings that he normally engages with, and also uh, you know interacts with a being that he calls his twin that he has a big connection with. When he does that, I think it happens in his etheric body now, which would be more like um, you know a bilocation or astral projection, if you will. Uh, so it's my understanding that at this time in in your life now, Wes, you're. Engagements with these beings don't necessarily necessitate you being, you know, floated out the window or up up through the roof in and, and the things that did happen to you as a child and teenager.
2: I would agree with that. Very little. In fact, Leslie and I have kind of developed a theory um, that the abductions are something more primitive uh, and don't need to happen, to everyone, and don't happen to everyone. And at mm-hmm. some point you're a participant, a willing participant from that point forward. And I certainly got calmer once I started to think I can participate. Maybe I can get something from this. Maybe I can offer something from this. And, and certainly one of the things that came up really early was uh, healing and an increase in mm-hmm. psychic powers. Mm-hmm. It was crazy, almost from day one. This <laughs> is the download? Um, let's say the download and the first session I had with Leslie. And almost immediately after that, um, there was a change and and. And my psi ability—I mm-hmm. don't know what to call it, actually.
1: You became more psychic as a result of the contact or, and the regression.
2: A hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. And apparently, this is not an unknown thing. No, it, it does happen.
3: I I almost have to wonder if, you know, some of these implants get turned on. I I think they're really kind of like step-up transformers. I don't see a negative side. To the implants, uh, if people are receiving them, except, you know, some people say, oh, well, they can, they can track my every move and they're looking.
1: Wow. Well, <laughs> they uh, have a cell phone. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, really, let's just relax about that because yeah. it happens anytime, exactly.
2: uh, that they want it to happen. Exactly. So, um, do you have implants, do you suspect? I, I do not feel I do. we uh, we both met people that, who have, and actually one of them had it removed and mm-hmm. it was all filmed. It was fascinating stuff. Yeah. Dr. Roger Lear? No.
3: Well, Roger Lear, Dr. Lear had passed away, oh, yeah. unfortunately, right. or he would have been the guy right. to look at this implant. This was a young lady who was brought to me for regression, and uh, she had your classic thing, the father in the military on the dew line. This is often how I think individuals get the intention of programs that are sort of military and sort of E.T. That's a great question. We'll We'll pick up on that point.
1: Okay. Why you? Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a few moments to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash patreon.com forward slash strange planet. There are several tiers to choose from. Pick which one is right for you, but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated. As a sign of my appreciation, you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show, or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream. You could also receive episodes of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This critically acclaimed podcast, produced in partnership with Chris Jericho, is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet. patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next time, part two of my conversation with Wes Roberts and Leslie Mitchell-Clark.
2: I've had a handful of experiences where they started out like a normal mating process with what seemed to be a female. And in all of them, they all ended up with some mechanical device uh, being attached to my genitals to extract sperm.
0: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind.